Before we officially start this podcast, I want to remind everyone that the Ivy Sports Podcast feed is available on iTunes, Spotify, and Anchor. We would really appreciate it if you'd subscribe to be notified of all new podcasts. If you can also rate and review, we'll give you a pat on the back. Finally, you can follow Ivy Sports on Twitter and Instagram, as well as Facebook. Um, the Facebook group does have a premium membership that allows you to post without being approved by an admin. You can be commissioner for a day, levy fines, receive free gambling picks from Alan, who has been giving away nothing but winners lately to the IBN All-Stars page, and much, much more. And with that, we are back for another edition of the Team Turnbuckle podcast, IB Sports Wrestling podcast. It has been a minute. I apologize about that. I am your host, Keith Fleming. With me this week, the newest member to the NWO Team Turnbuckle podcast, uh, Sam House. Sam, how you doing, buddy? I am good. I think of myself as the uh, Lash LaRue to your, uh, what was the Barry Darcel hole-in-one gimmick? <laughs> I, I was going to go give you more credit. I was going to say me and Ron L were hauling Nash, and you know, you were Hogan that really made us, uh, you know, the stable <laughs> that we were going to become. Uh, we do miss our buddy Ron L this weekend. He is uh, working, you know, because unfortunately this does not pay the bills yet. Maybe one day. Um, but there has been a ton of wrestling. Uh, Sam and Ron L did a really good recap of the WWE Payback pay-per-view. I'm going to give my thoughts on that here in a few minutes. But AEW had their pay-per-view on Saturday night. It was all out. We're going to get right into this and off the top rope. Um, I'm just going to start by saying, Sam, that it was not a bad pay-per-view. I, I don't want it to come off as, as I'm saying, like, it was, you know, poor or, you know, bad. But it was not great. And it was a little disappointing because this is a big pay-per-view for them. If you think about this time last year, uh, it was an amazing card. This was actually the quote-unquote pay-per-view that kind of really started AEW and made it what it was going to be because when they had the success of this first pay-per-view, when they were not even technically a company or have a TV deal, the cons weren't involved yet. Uh, but it, that success, you know, proved that this was going to be something viable long-term. Uh, my biggest issue with this pay-per-view is the main event was not great. Uh, it just wasn't. There was some fantastic matches on the event. We'll get into in a minute why I was not crazy about the MJF Moxley match. I didn't like the booking. I, I honestly don't like the result, especially if you put Mox or uh, excuse me MJF in that position, and it just kind of took the air out of it. The Cassidy Jericho match that went on second to last was also not great by any means. Uh, which is a shame because the tag team match that preceded it was phenomenal. The singles match for the women's title was really good. The Jurassic Express versus Young Bucks match, again, was very good. Kip Sabian had a very funny uh, backstage promo that turned out to be a big deal uh, when you found out who his best man was this week on AEW. But the thing that sticks out the most, and this is not AEW's fault, though, it's Matt Hardy. The situation in the match between him and Semi Guerrero was one of the scariest things I can remember in wrestling in a long time. Uh, for y'all that don't know, they had kind of a basically a, a, a no rules anywhere in the arena match, and they were doing a spot where uh, Sammy was slamming 
uh, Hardy backwards onto a table, and it looks like they it went too him, far. Him. Was it a spear? Okay. Yeah, it looked it like, looks they, like they, they overshot it. Yeah, yeah, definitely overshot. His head hit the concrete really hard, like really hard. Uh, at first, I will admit that I couldn't tell if this was just, you know, wrestling or if he was legitimately hurt. But when it was the fifth, sixth time of him trying to get to his feet and he couldn't stand up, and then when the doctor ran in and yelled at Sammy to get away, and I'm just shocked that they let him – you know, finish the match. I mean, even when they were doing the spot that ended the match where they climbed to the top of the scaffold, you could tell Sammy was sort of holding or pulling Matt Hardy up the scaffold, which is scary in its own right, because if Hardy slipped or lost his balance and fell, uh, there was plenty of areas you could fall and again, like, I mean, kill yourself, if not paralyzed or something. Uh, and it's a shame that this is the, the first thing I want to talk about, but this is a company that has really taking some shots at WWE for their safety issues with, you know, the, the COVID deal and rightfully so, but I just could not believe that they allowed him to keep wrestling. Am I overreacting to this? No. And, and here's part of why. And, and just, I think that there are some things and it's something that AEW apologists don't want to hear, but AEW is run by two guys who are worth more than Vince McMahon. Yep. Uh, you know, uh, Baby Khan, whose first name I'm forgetting, um, oh. and Tony Khan and Shad Khan are both individually worth more than Vince McMahon. They are billionaires. They, you know, they, they can pay all the lip service that they want. They, they have care a lot of pull. That's why they've also been in Florida. You know, everybody gives WWE the crap of, oh, it's not, you know, essential. AEW got the same deal for a lot of the same reasons. Well, AEW also has the advantage of owning its own building, so which allows it, you know, that they can do outdoor stadium, not you know, building. (laughs) And and, you know, yes, WWE owns the Performance Center, and there's a lot of shadiness there. uh, But they, you know, it did allow AEW to function as well. Uh, I think that, but before my you know billionaires shouldn't exist rant. (laughs) <laughs> um, as like I mean they shouldn't be billionaires I don't mean like they should be liquidated uh, we're not that podcast um, yeah. <laughs> coming back up on Eat the Rich with Keith and Sick uh, no uh, I, it, it was more of an issue with Matt Hardy to me because of he'd already like first of all they were like well he doesn't have a concussion which bullshit I'm just gonna call oh, bullshit has, on yeah, that no he had a concussion <laughs> and, and then they had the whole um They'd already, like, maybe just keep him and Sammy apart, as they'd already done that. There'd already been that. Uh, he already broke his face with a chair accidentally yeah. a few weeks earlier. Uh, and where I, um, it, I, I, I had a very, I, I think that actually the kindest way to put this is that I'm with you. The pay-per-view was disappointing, and it's kind of the same thing that TakeOver has run into is a victim of its own success is that AEW has put on such consistently good shows that by having a show that is not you know wasn't bad i would say that it was a c plus show it it needs to be great almost at this point or otherwise people are going to be disappointed because so many of their pay-per-views have been great up to this point and especially with all out which i think is sort of their star cat starcade 
That's what I was going to ask you. That is like their mania, right? Like, because it was the one that they started with and. Yeah, that was the, uh, well, no, All In. I guess that was the other one, just that I'd forgotten that it was All In was the first show that they did. Right, but I think it's the same pay-per-view. Like, I'm pretty sure it's been at the same time all three years. Yeah, and so that's sort of, you know, I don't know if they, you know, that was funny. It's it's funny to say this, but that the, um, you know, that was, Bischoff said that, uh, talked about how Starcade wasn't a huge deal to him, and that you know, I think it was Halloween Havoc, which was like brother, Star not based Cade on how was the shit growing up for me as a young wrestling fan. And I think that ultimately, I mean, that was their you know big blow off pay per view. Uh, I I thought, and that was how I view this is because of the time of year and where it is. That is the show that like that's the AEW show for me. That's their Starcade. That's their WrestleMania. And so for that to fall flat is disappointing to me. It, so it's, what, what was your, let's go with this way. What was your favorite and least favorite parts of the pay-per-view? So my favorite part of the pay-per-view was uh, actually, I, you know, you covered a lot of it. I thought that the tag match was great. Um, I was, I, you had talked about, and I, I think the Keeping Up With K-Fabe had talked about Thunder Rosa. Mm-hmm. who I thought was, was blown away. just, yeah. I mean, I, I think that if the Matt Hardy thing had not happened and I was not, the eight man tag match was fine, but I thought that it was, it, it was, it, I, I thought that it was much more of a sort of cool down between the women's match and the tag match. Uh, so I, I kind of, as taking it as that, I was fine with it. I had a bit of a problem. I, with you, I thought that the low point was the main event. The, the Jericho match, I didn't think did either guy any favors, um, booking wise. Uh, and I, I thought. Are you that, concerned MJF is going to have a hard time recovering from this loss? Yes, I think that. I, I I had said to you before we started this that I thought that Dynamite had hit, which had been to me the best pro wrestling show on television for since it started, um, has been supplanted by SmackDown for the last couple of weeks as the best show, uh, wrestling show on television. Uh, I, part of that is is that I'm really bored with Moxley as champion, and I think that he is the biggest star in AEW in terms of, you know, marketability and name and all that jazz. And I think that because of what's going on with business being sort of stagnant with the pandemic, you know, they don't want to take the belt off of him. Uh, I, we can get into it when we talk about dynamite. put him in that situation. And that, that's my, I understand. It's, it's what I've told people from the get go. I understand why they have the champions they do. I don't understand with the roster that they have while they're rushing these guys that probably are going to be future champions into losing situations. Uh, You know, I think the other thing to remember and is that ultimately – you can come back from this. I don't think, I think that it will be, 
you know, it's it's very easy as fans. Why though protect him? You know what I'm saying? And he had not lost a match. And I mean, that's a like as you bring up a very like smart point. They keep up with wins and losses, so they mean even more in AEW. And to have a guy with zero on his side and to be a young and up and comer. I just feel like you look at Goldberg, I mean, it's a totally different situation, but you almost have to put the belt on them if you made that a storyline, which they had. They had mentioned many times he had not lost as a single competitor. And to me, for him not to get the title and then have that loss, what were you keeping the loss off of him in the first place? And, uh, you know, I, I, I think that ultimately, just based on what I've seen, I think that he's going to lose to Omega. Um, I think that sort of that's the next, and I think that's their money. The, the, I think AEW. Oh, all for it. <laughs> and, and, I mean, yeah, I think a lot of people would. I think that that is, uh, I, I'm, and I ultimately think that MJF is young enough that he can come back. I think that, again, it's very easy. You know, that's the other thing that I try to keep an even keel on that I don't like it in the ma- micro in, in terms of like the, and it's partially because I'm just kind of bored of Moxley. Right. I think that he is a bit one note. Oh yeah. No, he definitely right? is. And it's, you know, it, it's very interesting as somebody, you know, uh, we'll get into this with, with uh, Miro, but uh, I think that, he would benefit from a little more depth to his character. And I've heard people compare him to Austin, but Austin was much more, I don't think that that you need a really dynamic opponent. And I don't think that, uh, that they, that to to make a multidimensional as a character though, he wasn't just the, you know, beer swigging ass kicker. You know, he was fighting the man. He was also at times, you know, a face, the guy that would stick up for other people. I mean, he was kind of all over the place. And there was some nuance, I think that, but also the, that it's very interesting is, is that if they had booked Austin the way that they booked Hulk Hogan, it wouldn't have worked. Oh, it would have and, I, Big time. and I think that's, yeah, I think that's one problem with Moxley is that he doesn't have a, you know, MJF has done a good job as a heel, but I think that all of these sort of one-off heels are not, you know, so it's, they're sort of doing the monster of the week thing where he beats Brian Cage, he beats MJF, and I think that's really... It's old school WWF. That's what they did with Hogan. You know, he beat Bundy, and then he beat Big John Studd, and then the Andre the Giant, you know, mm-hmm. and that this so was the 80s. I don't know if the same thing will work in 2020. No, and if you think about it, those feuds were much more drawn out, and I think that it's, again, I don't think it's doing Moxie any favors because I think that he's immensely talented, I just think that we need more of like him battling the Omegas, the Cody Rose, the and make it a significant run, right? Like not a one-off, but actually a feud. Yeah, and I I thought that uh, you know I was sort of surprised that it looks like they're just moving on to Lance Archer because there was chicanery I, at the end of the match, right? Like it wasn't clean. Yeah, he he hit the paradigm shift. I was like, oh, he did exactly what he was not supposed to do. Yeah, and, and the move was banned, like. I and it as and it's something that I criticize the WWE for, but like you create these rules within your world of storytelling. <laughs> you need to follow them, yeah, or at least yeah, acknowledge like, them if they're not followed. Yeah, and like so, okay, it, the whole thing, like the Dusty Rhodes finish, and I, I actually texted with some friends of mine and joked about it. I was like, 
Should have seen a dusty finish coming when Cody's one of the bookers. Um, but I felt that was what I thought it was. I thought that they were going to do, you know, that, you know, and, and it helps because it doesn't, it means that MJF, you know, it, it, it in theory, it keeps both of the heat, you know, it gives Moxley didn't really lose. And then MJF doesn't, you know, he's not hurt by the loss in his record, but, but you put that stipulation in there, like, I don't understand from a storytelling standpoint why it matters that the ref didn't see it. You know, it, it's if I feel like in other if sports, there was an NBA game and somebody punches a player in the face and you don't see it during the game, they would still probably get suspended and fined after the fact because it's still on camera. We still know it happened. Well, and I feel like if a player, you know, or in, in football, if, uh, you know, uh, I think you can challenge pass interference now. You know, I, I think that if they, you know, play, a receiver pushed off. It's a terrible decision, but that's a different part. Well, yeah, but hey, man, like, <laughs> I, and so, like, if a player pushes off, like, it happened on TV. Right. I don't, I, and I guess it, it, it's, and that's sort of the argument that I have is that I don't understand the you know from the storytelling standpoint like why i get giving moxie something to overcome but if you want him to win why have him win with the paradigm shift like why not have him win with another movie move like honestly i kind of if you're gonna have him win with a move that wasn't the paradigm shift like why not have him do that headlock driver right that was the initial dirty deeds like that's a cool little callback and it reward you know uh, it's but yeah, I didn't. I didn't like the ending of it. So and... we we've got the negative part. Let's talk about some positive before we move off of this. The tag team division in AEW is so freaking good. Like I know me and you both are big tag team fans, so I'm so excited. And this is no offense to Hangman and Omega. They had a great run. There were some great matches in that. But I'm excited that now we're going to get real tag teams facing off each other. I've been so impressed with Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy. Like, they've actually been a really fun tag team to watch themselves. You know, you've got FTR, you got the Young Bucks. Like, the tag team division is stacked, and I think with FTR's chance, we're going to see tag teams, which they have a, just a plethora of them, going head-to-head. And to me, that was the highlight of the pay-per-view, the two tag team matches. I, I'm 100% with you on that one. Um, I would actually also – Thunder Rosa – is easily the best women's wrestler not employed by the WWE. How did WWE let her slip through the cracks, honestly? Because they've been really good about scooping up everybody. I, you know, I almost wonder if she chose not to go to WWE. Um, You know, she's, uh, and because, you know, I- She could be their first woman star star, right? Don't you think? Oh, yes. I think that if they wanted to bring her in, I thought, and that was the other, you know, not, not to crap too much on it. I thought that the Britt Baker match, I was not a oh, fan of. Bad. Yeah. But I love Britt Baker's character. Mm-hmm. I think that, and I think that. I think, think Big Swole is going to be good too. And, but I think that if you wanted to have, put the title on Britt Baker and have Thunder Rosa come in. Oh, be the face uh, over, yeah. I think that, yeah, I mean, I thought that that match, and, and that is, as somebody who, I think that, 
AEW has done a really good job of being different from the WWE mm-hmm. and not trying to out, you know, by giving real alternative. And I, I really do appreciate that. And I, that tag team is one of those. I have always been a big FTR fan of their in-ring work. They're phenomenal. But I think that their characters. Oh, I agree. Com- and I think that like some of that is that they were destined, like they're just not a PG type team. They're not, they don't they seem to have, have swagger team. right now too, right? Like I, I texted you and told you they just look so much more confident since they've been in AEW. I, I just yeah. didn't get the, you know, the appeal. Like I understood the in the ring stuff, but I didn't get the love affair for them because they were boring to me. They seem like right now, like just the way they walk, the air about them that like, we're the best tag team in the world. And I didn't see that in WWE. And I completely agree with you. Like I thought they're like, not just their in-ring work in that tag team match, but their character work. And it was just phenomenal. And, and I think that some of the stuff that they did in NXT was better at that in part for obvious reasons. Right. Uh, but I think that, yeah, them getting to be, you know, swinging dicks <laughs> in AEW. I mean, and I like the idea of an FTR Young Bucks match. Like there are some. I'm hoping they do like coming. a two out of three fall as well. I would love to see a two out of three fall between those two teams for the tag belts or a ladder match. Both would be really cool. But two out of three is something you don't see very often in tag team. And I would love to see those two guys go at that. Oh, oh yeah. I think that, and I, I just think that there's, you know, the, the, and I even think some of the, you know, dark order would be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, They've know, been I, really I, good too. I got to give them credit. Like when we're talking about tag teams, I, I'm kind of blown away that they've been interesting. That was another match, by the way, the AEW gets booking right a lot. That eight man tag match is why, like, I love AEW. I mean, you have a match that seems kind of impossible because you have Brody Lee in the Dark Order that's this hot faction. But you also got, you know, Scorpio Sky, Matt Cardona. They need a win. You want to obviously give Dustin, I think, kind of a farewell win, it looks like, too. And they do it perfectly. You know, Cabana calls Brody Lee the match after he looks badass because he wanted to get an offensive move in when the match was over. Uh, and so you get the faces over. You start a few between, you know, uh, Brody Lee and Colt Cabana and I mean like that just that's really good booking and it's not I mean I know it seems easy and simple but it very rarely happens and they seem to do it consistently there's a lot of moving parts and it's it's you know it's the kind of thing and I'm with you I think that it, it's very easy to fantasy booking is very easy uh, but I think the ability, especially to, after the fact, right? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, hindsight, man. I, I can't. Think oh, everybody hated it. That was a terrible decision. Right. It's like, well, they probably didn't think it was going to get booed out of the building, you know. It, it, but I, I also, I, I was never a huge Dustin Rhodes fan until, like, I always thought that he was a the very serviceable. Uh, I mean, but he was, I mean, more as like a worker as well, but I love his whole like cowboy wild bunch, like Mm -hmm. cowboy making a last stand character. The promo he gave after it was fantastic. I, yeah. I mean, just like, and as somebody who loves Westerns and loves like that kind of like gunslinger, uh, you know, that sort of thing. It is the last Wolverine movie, man. That's why it was great. You know? Yeah. And, And that sort of thing where it is like i love that kind of character so like yeah i love dustin in that role 
and where he's just like, you know, he he's he can't, you know, he can't be the best all the time, but he can go out there, you know, like the Undertaker said, like whatever that country song is. And it, it feels more like Dustin's where it's like, there's something very poignant about it to me. And that I really, it's like, I love his character. It's like big shout out to him. But I also am so excited for like, I, I and that was like the, I, and I think that it's, I, I go on and on about how important the main event is for exactly that reason is that like the, uh, you know, the, the entire like main event matters because it's your last impression. And if you leave a bad taste in people's mouth, it ends up coloring the impression of the entire show. Even, and that's not necessarily fair; just the reality of it. No, it's um, fair. Uh, so let's let's move on to payback. I was not here. Uh, I thought you guys did a great job on the review uh, or recap. I just want to go over a couple of things that my biggest takeaways from that pay per view. And I know a lot of people are wondering why the hell do you have a pay-per-view a week after another pay-per-view? It's a fair question, but I think that WWE is actually moving in the right direction. That if you have a blow-off pay-per-view like SummerSlam or WrestleMania, rather than resolving everything or sort of resetting the table, you have another pay-per-view a week later and you sort of do some of that there because... I love the way they, they – the Sasha Bailey match, they have booked this so well, and they continue to blow my mind, honestly, because we give creative so much shit in WWE. But to have Bailey get choked out by Sasha's arm, I mean, it's just like – it's a chef's kiss. It's like what I told people last week with having them, you know, basically Sasha sacrifice herself and Bailey pick up the win, and Bailey moves out of the way, and it costs Sasha the win. And then to have this happen for the tag titles, obviously since then they've officially split, but I just thought that was perfect. And then the Reigns main event, I know people are mad. I, 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 That's, isn't that kind of the point, though? He's a heel. You're not supposed to be It happy. is, but let me just again remind people, because – I think that they're really forgetting this. Roman Reigns has been with WWE and been basically the man for the last five years, okay? He has had a combined title reign of his five reigns in that time of 178 days. Guys like, you know, Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose, Jinder Mahal, all these people have long extended runs. Reigns has only had a 78-day run as his longest title reign. Like, I don't understand this, like, you know, I don't even know where it came from, but it's like he's booked, you know, like a Cena or a Triple H or Orton in his heyday. And yes, he wins a lot, but at the end of the day, to be booked to the moon, you have to have the belt. And they haven't given him a long title run. So if you're upset that they hot shot at Bray again, Completely understand that, and that's a fair thing to say. Although I think that Bray looks strong in the way he losses. I think that this last few months with him getting the title twice is not going to hurt his character. Ain't nobody's going to remember that he had short runs with the belt, but only that he had the belt twice in 2020. And, like, Reigns deserves this. And even more so to your point, he's a heel. So you're supposed to be mad. But I did love how they played it as only thing he had done at the end of that pay-per-view has been smarter than everybody else. And he let those two guys beat the hell out of it. 
he came in basically late in the match when people very much like his counterpart, Seth Rollins, did at the Mania 31 with him and Brock Lesnar and just kind of cleaned up. So I don't, you know, I just thought it was played great. I loved him closing the show. I loved his promo on Monday. This is going to be one of the best storylines, or at least the most excited storylines I have for WWE since the Daniel Bryan run up to his championship and the CM Punk run. That's the kind of basically rarefied air in the last decade we are for me as a wrestling fan. So I just want to say two things quickly. One is to thank Ronell for quarterbacking the Payback podcast. Oh, it's the- difficult, right? It's not easy. He, he did a great job and he, yeah, he mentioned that actually, but he did a great job and it's actually mentioned how it made him appreciate you more, but he, he was great. I really appreciated him making it easy on me. Um, you know, I, I'm going to need to step up my game. The other thing that I wanted to mention though, besides, you know, thumbs up to run uh, <laughs> and you for the good job you do is that, uh, the greatest trick of the last five years by the WWE is convincing us that Roman Reigns is Brock Lesnar because the only, the, the, oh, Roman's the guy, Roman's the guy, Roman's the guy, because we read it in Dave Meltzer. But really, the guy's been Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar was the guy who, you, you know, let's think about Seth Rollins in some cases. He's had I, much I, more title reigns, much more, you know, big wins. But, I understand what you're saying, though. I I, I mean, I'm just saying Seth Rollins didn't squash John Cena at the height of Cena's power. Seth Rollins didn't end end the streak. No, that's fair. I I think that, you know, people can complain about Roman beating Undertaker at WrestleMania. Fine. But I think that... You know, I I just don't. He I had never, to win that one though. At that point, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and Brock beat him. He he didn't. Brock had him beaten twice at WrestleMania, and uh, beat him. At, he had him beaten at thirty-one, and then he beat him at thirty-four. Was that the one? Same one as Ronda, or no, the one before the Ronda one. So yeah, I think it's thirty-four. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, he's main evented. He main evented four WrestleManias, but he was two and two. I I, I just I don't buy that, and I think that I I've all, I'm to stand by that. That I think that Roman, I think that he has not been the guy, and that's to his detriment. And I think oh, that sure. I think it says a lot about his like strength of his character. That and I'm talking about as a wrestler, obviously, even though he seems like a good guy. That. He has had all these losses, not a long title reign. And again, it's what I told people. Most of guys in WWE in the last five, six years, their biggest win or biggest moment has been beating Roman Reigns, defeating him at the last minute of a Royal Rumble. And that shows that the stakes in his matches are the biggest. And when you're not the champion and you still have that kind of, you know, ability to kind of manipulate the crowd, that's really saying something about you and how much you helped the product. I also think that the, I think that he was, I think that the, the having Brock as sort of the guy and not being a uh, consistent, you know, presence being part-time, I don't think it did anybody any favors in WWE. I mean, it's again, very easy for me as, you know, Joe Schmo never taking a bump. You're like, yeah, that was a mistake for the last five years, but I think it was a mistake. And I think that 
you know, we're, I think it was kind of hypocritical that fans have not really turned on Brock who shows up five, six times. Well, I mean, they have more recently. I'm saying like they were cheering for him against Roman Reigns in both of their WrestleMania matches. And it's like Brock shows up five, six times a year, only does 15 suplexes and leaves. And it's like Reigns is here every week fucking busting his ass. He hasn't been champion for a long period of time. I think he's really improved in the ring. And it's like you're booing him. And just to me, it's extremely hypocritical because, again, they're treating him like John Cena when he's not John Cena, at least not yet. No, and I don't think Roman buried guys. Like, exactly. Exactly. And, and Cena did. That was sort he of where lost to Bauer. He's lost to all kinds of guys. Bray, Rollins, he, like you name it. Was it one of those losses? I feel like there was one where like he had gotten suspended for stimulants, and there was like a loss that was a punishment. Which that was, here the Roll, that was the Rollins SummerSlam match where then Dean cashed in with the money in the bank because Rollins uh, came back. He had just won the belt. He lost to Rollins at SummerSlam, and then Ambrose immediately cashed in and won the belt. And, yes, that was supposedly – now, we don't know. We can't confirm that, but that was supposedly a punishment for steroids. I thought didn't think it was steroids. I thought that it was – Or whatever it was, yeah. Uh, just because – but um, – Something he wasn't supposed to be taking. Yeah, it was a wellness policy. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think that ultimately he – you know, he never – and he never went out there and – that was always the knock on Cena. You know, the, the, I'm sure people have heard me mention it's like, you don't even own those cars. They're rentals. It's like, do we really need to mention that, John? Do we really need to bury Alberto? Or else Cena would guarantee it. That was my big problem with Cena was it was almost like he was straight up saying almost, you know, not even keeping kayfabe that I'm John Cena. This has been a nice little run for you, but on Sunday I'm going to win because that's what I do. Loyalty, hustle, you know, respect, whatever. And that to me was what got so boring about it was he just basically tell you he was going to beat people. And he did. Yeah. It's not very face-like either to sit there and, you know, be cocky and saying you're going to destroy somebody. Now he was much more Hogan than Austin. Yeah. Uh (laughs) All right, so let's move on to the uh, our, our topics this week. And just remember, this can be from AEW, can be from NXT, WWE, any of the shows. Uh, we both had the same wrestler on the rise. Why don't you go first? Uh, Finn Balor. I thought yeah. that he. I thought that he had. I I mentioned this I think previously, but I think it's very poetic that the guy who sort of missed out on his opportunity to really have a run was it for, because of the injury at when he won the universal title in SummerSlam in 2016 is the guy who is now getting the opportunity to have because of that injury and is sort of getting a rebirth. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious if they're going to do a new uh, Balor club bullet club with uh, you know, cool, right? They kept giving the Wolfpack. Uh, yeah, the two, the but yeah. I mean, which I thought was because of was clearly a representative. You know, yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. it was a, they were both Bullet Club guys. Right. But I wondered if that was you know that the excuse is going to be that Undisputed Era is going to say that, that Cole's gone soft and turn on him. Oh, though. it's a nice turn, and then Balor's kind of his back up to kind of feud with them yeah what did you think about the fatal four-way iron man match ending in a draw and then going to the next week 
Uh, I was surprised. <laughs> Let's be kind. Let's go with, we're going to go with that. We're going to go with the positive here that I was. I didn't love it, but don't you think maybe it was just, I mean, we forget this is a show, right? Like it, at the end of the day, it's to draw ratings and they knew they were doing back to back Tuesdays. And so the fatal four ways to get you watch the first one. And then the draw was to make sure that you had to tune in for the second Tuesday to see who was the champion. And it's like, we may not like it, but at the end of the day, that's probably what it was. It was. And I actually thought that they, that I think it was Stu Bennett or um, Wade Barrett, I guess is what he's going by. And again, on, did, did a really good job of selling bad, it. I got some bad news bad for news. you. I love Wade but, Barrett, man. But I thought he did a really good job of selling, speaking of people seeing it buried. Um, but I thought he did a really good job of selling the damage of lose of how Adam Cole won and what it did to Finn Balor's confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought like just a plus in the commentary of Kayfay being like, this is why Cole has the, that's what it should be. And I, yeah, should I thought, advance the storyline. And, and I thought that it actually was like, I appreciated that it was a, you know, that they, they did it that way. I, I am, I, I was, I, I was fine with it ultimately. And, and I think that it was one of those where like, because I'm on the West coast, I didn't see it. You know, I heard about it and I was like, Oh, okay. Like, I, I guess this is how we're going to do Since it. Since Balor's the guy on the rise, is this going to be a lengthy championship run? Or are you worried this is literally just a placeholder? And as soon as Karrion Cross gets back, he's going down and giving the belt to Cross. That's my only thing I'm nervous about for Finn. I think it depends. I think that you have a very good story. Again, sort of why I, I from a booking standpoint, not to fantasy book, because I know RC <laughs> hates fantasy booking, <laughs> hates Finn Balor, and really hates my fantasy booking. So he is grinding his teeth <laughs> reading this right now. Um, the um, But the um, – but the the that's why a Finn heel turn makes sense. Is that you know if Carrying Cross comes back almost imme- you know doesn't come back almost immediately, then Finn as a heel can be like, well, first you have to work your way through Undisputed Era, and there's a nice little heel story of him having to beat you know Strong and Fish and so on and so forth. And you could tease the stuff between him and Cole during that. You know that that could be really interesting. Uh, I'm just really happy for Finn. He's the wrestler on the rise for me because he's he's the NXT champion. And, I mean, if you think about the road that he's had, it, it's – I'm just happy for him as a performer and as a person who seems really cool on social media because you got to remember, this guy was the longest-reigning NXT champion up until Adam Cole. The demon was, like, the most over thing in WWE, like, while he was in NXT, which is saying something – he debuts and within the first two weeks has beat both Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns, wins the first Universal Championship, and then unfortunately he gets injured. And, and those has, were banger matches. That's they were great matches. But the Raw match versus Reigns, I'd argue, was better than the SummerSlam match versus Rollins. I, I thought so. And but he also, you know, given the injury. Correct. Exactly. And it just, it's sad because, I mean, people like RC have good points that if he was really, 
you know, that over, that great, the fans, you know, something would have happened where he got back into it. But he just has been basically, and I don't like using this word, but almost buried. And it's almost like he was punished because he got hurt. And it's a shame because he was so over those first two weeks. The pop when he won the belt at SummerSlam was incredible. And I would have loved to seen him have a, you know, a good run, especially with the people that were on Raw at that time. So good for him to get back to this point. And I just hope they give him a good run. And this is the first time that I feel confident they knew what they were doing by sending him back down to NXT because in some ways it felt a little bit like a punishment, fairly or unfairly. Mm-hmm. So my yeah. rest- Oh, you got some more you want to say on that? I, the only thing I was going to say is that it makes sense. When you, the only people that they've sent back down to NXT are uh, Breezango, uh, <laughs> even Marie out, back though. in the day. Oh, no, right. it's worked out. It's, it's worked out. But I think that it's, you know, it's hard not to see it as. An emotion. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of what it seems like. So the wrestler on the slide, which is obviously the opposite of the wrestler on the rise. I was going to actually put your answer, but I didn't want to agree on the first two. So I went with Retribution, who uh, they apparently now are a Monday Night Raw only faction. (laughs) They've completely given up on SmackDown, uh, which honestly, again, I'm not trying to book, but to me, if they're after WWE, it would not be on Raw. It would be on SmackDown. They'd even be attacking NXT because – they're against WWE. Um, they're, they're anarchists who, exactly. who have, who have, strict rules they have very strict rules and oh, days yeah. that they can attack. Yeah. Uh, and but, brand exclusivity, man. Exactly. They, believe in, in, they believe in that, you know, except for the special exemptions that you can get that can occasionally get you on the other and, side. And, they, Summer, and Survivor Series, you're right. I'm sorry. Exactly. So they did finally give a promo, which was a good start. But again, why do they have a logo? Like, why is a group that is supposed to be like this, you know, again, anarchist coming in to shake up the dem- They have a logo? Like, really? Like, and the, the voices being distorted was weird. And it's just, it's, it's to the point, and I'm sorry, it's going to be a really country phrase, but they need to piss or get off the freaking pot because they need to advance the storyline or it's going to be officially dead. And right now it is drowning. And I was kind of excited for it because there's people like Sami Zayn. There's all kinds of people that right now you could put into this and with a decent storyline, this can be savage or salvaged. But right now I'm worried that this is going nowhere and going nowhere fast. You know, what bums me out is that somebody on the internet, uh, did like lighten like did like voice stuff and pictures and figured out that Dijak Dijakovic oh he's definitely the biggest dude for sure right and I really like him I think he's like I've I've I find him just to be really like I think for a big man he's incredibly talented oh he's a great worker and I can't remember who the female is I I think it was Mercedes Martinez I'm I'm gonna blank on who the female is sorry I've but I was like, I just feel bad. Like, I would love for like, like, thank, like, I have to be honest with you. I've said this before. Like, Vince McMahon presents Antifa is not like is like one of my worst nightmares up there with Vince McMahon presents Black Lives Matter. And so the idea of this gimmick not going or a all civil out, rights uh, angle or something or women's yeah, rights, yeah, yeah, or like, yeah, like, uh, I I have a lot of feelings about, but like, I for Dijakovic. Dijakovic, I never 
I, I for whatever reason I can never pronounce his name correctly. Um, it it just makes me like sad for him because I really do like him. I would love to see him be successful. So, what is your uh, wrestler on the rise? I mean, wrestler oh. on the slide. Sorry, Sam. Uh, no, no, no. You're fine. Uh, it's MJF. I felt like the as he seems to be like. I, I might have – I actually wouldn't have picked this if it hadn't been for Dynamite where he was just like – I called it. I told you that he was going to – it's going to – they're going to move to him and Wardlow. And then I'm even more confused because if they make that breakup, you got to have Wardlow go over. That's bad for MJF or either you're, you know, picking this big talented guy and he's losing in his first match of, you know, turning face. The – yeah. Or, I mean, and that was the whole thing that I didn't like – and it just felt – like it so, felt very out of character for MJF to be like, well, the better man won. Like, <laughs> you fucking cheated. This is the truth. Like, you're Mister. Like, seriously, that's what I thought. I'm like, what is he talking about? I was like, or like, you have? Are you on drugs, MJF? <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was like that, and that's one of the things that frustrated me is it felt out of character, and it felt like a character doing something because. They needed to advance. They need to make up for the booking, right? Like the well, decision they made. Yeah, they made this decision, and they didn't want to do another match with them. And so they, you know, they they had a character act out of character. To Who's been one of the most consistent characters I've seen in a long time? Like he is. Like that's what I love about MJF is he is so heel, and he's he's MJF. Fish got to swim, birds got to fly, MJF <laughs> got to heal, man. <laughs> Uh, promo of the week. And this is really what I wanted to get into because I got to give, like, boy, it was a moment. Miro, a.k.a. Rusev, shows up on Dynamite in what was supposed to be kind of a silly segment. You know, we we had the the best man for the wedding thing, and I really thought it was going to be somebody stupid. And all of a sudden, I'm like, holy crap, it's Rusev. He looked great. I like the hair. I love how he told Kip Saban at the end, he's not a best man. He's the best man. I thought his promo was perfect. Now, I want to say before I get into bragging on it, this needs to be it, though, for him bashing WWE and being the anti-WWE guy. It makes sense for him in his opening promo to let out all those grievances and to talk about the brass ring and you know being held down and all that. That makes sense. But I don't want him to become like that is is a stick where he's constantly taking shots at WWE because I honestly believe with that promo he gave, which was just like well done to Miro. I mean, like it was a very passionate, well-worded, well-timed promo. And I've said it many times that I think he is the one guy WWE in the last five to six years, no matter what you say, they screwed up like because he was white hot several different times. And I don't know what the deal was. They just never pushed him. And I think he could end up being one of the biggest star, if not the biggest star in AEW. And that really was, that was a great promo to introduce him to that promotion. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, my kingdom for like, I really look forward to the, I feel like there needs to be a heel who comes in and is just like, Thanks for the opportunity, Vince. I just, you know, think I'll have a better chance in AEW. Exactly. Like, because <laughs> like, it feels like everyone comes in and is like, kiss my ass. Exactly. And it's like, I get it. But, like, at a certain point, 
it, like especially like that's one of the things that's got me so sick of Moxley is that he's just like and another thing it it's like bro yeah. yeah and it's like I get that like I, and that like Punk did his whole podcast thing and then he was like I'm done I'm not gonna talk about WWE anymore until he was like over it and I think that you know I, I, I was just yeah I mean I but I thought it was a great promo I I liked that he didn't come in and and he sort of with a mid card act. Uh, also, shout out to Jason Gilmartin, who is a huge Brian Pillman fan. Who uh, you know Brian Pillman Jr. came in. I didn't feel like they kind of did my dude wrong. Like he was like I'm so like Brian. But don't you talk- think that him even getting because right now with where he's at, just for him to even get FaceTime there is that not technically at least an opportunity for him? Just trying to play kind of devil advocate. Oh, absolutely. No, I'm I'm joking. I think okay. that's huge. Okay. You know, I think that he's like in his very early. He's very early on in his career. Okay. Uh, and it's a huge thing. I just and, and I thought it was just kind of, and I thought it was funny. It was like, fine. Chip Sabian was great. His his promo, like, that was one of the funniest. Like, picking on WWE needs to be done the right way. Picking on the Twitch and that still with what WWE's doing, trying to tell these guys that they can't use, you know, their names to make money and stuff like that. For him to have at the bottom after he said his, you know, little spill that AEW approves this message, that was really well done. It was. I also – I have a real – love-hate thing with booking to like that feels a little inside baseball to me mm-hmm. um i feel like it's okay because it's you know if you know you know i i liked it so let me give an example of one because i actually i'm with you here it, it my knee-jerk reaction is it's never the number one promotion that does this kind of thing it's always you know the w you don't take shots when no, you're it's never one. the winners that are doing all this chirping and talking for sure but the but the difference is is that I thought that was funny because like ultimately you're promoting yourself, mm-hmm. and if you know you know like if you're in the know you know, as opposed to the whole Brody Lee like making fun of Vincent Man thing where I was just like, okay guys like I get it you're making fun of Vince like you know and and whereas if you're not like somebody who's a very inside baseball wrestling fan you're like oh wait really like what is he like he's just being weird. Right. And and I thought this is much better because it added a layer if you knew, but if you didn't, you weren't like, what the fuck is he talking about? What? What's his ceiling, you think? Miro's or yes, Miro. Uh I'm a little less bullish on him. Um I I'm, think- I'm buying all the stock. Like if if I was, you know, I just think if they book him properly, he's good in the ring. He's going to look like a monster in AEW because, you know, he was kind of a, what would you call the, like, smaller, huge guys in WWE? You know what I'm talking uh, about? Like they're not the, the giants, but they're, you know, they're big. They're just not very tall, I think, is really the big thing. Yeah, he was – I think he and Cesaro is sort of like that strongman thing. There you go. I, I think that he I, – I, right now – if he, I think that I don't know why Miro Day doesn't have the same ring to it as Rusev Day. I Maybe I just haven't heard it enough. But if he can get away with that and use that and have a, well, they were chanting it pretty loud for people in mass and separating stuff. They yeah, they're going to try to get it over. Let's put it that way. 
Well, no, I mean, it's not getting it over. It's that if they can, you know, I don't know if WWE can copyright that. But. Oh, they can't. I mean, I don't understand. Like, WWE's got a website. I don't know how you can copy an entirely different name with the word day after it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it, – it, 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 the cons are going to have good lawyers because they're richer than Vince. There you uh, go. That would be great <laughs> if they just went on there and every week read off the total wealth of the cons and the McMahons. And that was just like the start of every episode. This week, I, Tony Khan's net worth is this. Vince McMahon's is this. Wah, wah, wah. I think that it doesn't project the underdog image that AEW was no, that's for. Um, but if you want to screw with Vince, that's got to be a good Oh, that way. would piss him off. It would absolutely infuriate him. Uh, but the uh, But in terms of, I think that right now his ceiling to me is TNT champion uh, cup of like challenger for AEW title. I don't see him as a, I'm, I'm much less uh, bullish, bullish on him than you are. Well, you know? I'll tell you, Sam, you're normally right. And you're one of the smartest guys I know, but boy, you're, you're whiffing here. Cause he is going to be a AEW champ. And I'm really excited. I really am. I think this is going to be big for him, and I hope they give him all the opportunities he deserves. What is your promo of the week? Uh, my promo of the week was the Paul Heyman Roman Reigns from last Friday's SmackDown. Uh, and that proved less is more. Reigns didn't say very much, but boy, it was effective. Yeah. Uh, I, I was I, – I, yeah, and I thought that Heyman – was so yeah i mean yeah there it is that's really all you had to say and i i thought that he i just couldn't you know i i i couldn't get over it and i thought that the whole thing of wrong and i thought that the other thing was it was effective in getting over the whole thing of like hey uh this was not roman you know i didn't corrupt roman roman corrupted me that was great I, that yeah, really was. And I thought that the whole thing, and I, I just thought that, you know, everything that Roman said, I thought that he was a heel. What do you always sense. say? The best heels have an error. You know, there's a lot of truth to what they're saying. There was a lot of truth to what he was saying. Both of them. Yeah, they're just dicks about how they say it. Exactly. The whole, and I loved the promo. I thought that it was, and as a guy, you know, I think that the best, you know, if, I, my my criticism about I mean, Daniel Bryan as a promo is that he's great when he believes in what he's saying. You can tell when he is reading a script promo that he does not believe in. Um, I think that Roman is the same way. And I think that his belief in his promo, and I thought that was the best promo he's ever given. It was up there with his, uh, another very short one when he came in after The Undertaker went and just let those crowd boo for five minutes and go, this is my yard now and drop the mic. It was great. I, which I, that was, again, that was actually the one that I was going to. I was thinking of that one when you mentioned it. It's very funny that you – but, yeah, that was where I was going. Um, but, yeah, I just thought that it was a great – you know, Paul Heyman's been a great promo for so long that I almost feel silly to mention that he's a great promo. Uh, but – yeah, Greatness, that, though, doesn't need to be ignored. Just because somebody is consistently great, you should always give them kudos because it's really easy to just, as you were talking about, like with the pay-per-view with AEW, something's great for so long, your expectations get so high that it's only when it's negative or not up to quality do you mention it. 
you should mention it when someone like Paul Heyman just consistently kills it on the mic. And I, I you know, and I thought that they, it, I, the another good the thing the WWE has gotten better at is capitalizing very quickly on stuff. You know, mm-hmm. there was the Suplex City shirt, but then Roman Suplex had, City bitch. yeah, and then Roman showed up. You know, he had his wreck everyone and leave, and then he had his uh, show up, win and leave, which that was I thought great. That was it's great. such a dick heel shirt. And I, yeah. I, it's just I great, too, that I don't think anybody would have ever guessed that Roman Reigns and Heyman would be a pair, right? And at any point, did you ever think these two guys would be a heel pair? Because it just it's almost like it's complete opposite worlds coming together, only because of the way Roman's been booked, obviously, and who Heyman is and what normally is a Heyman guy. And I just I think it's a great marriage. Yeah, I would 100% agree. I think that it's interesting um, that, you you know, I think that's a great point. I think that one thing, uh, the Heyman guy thing was the one that actually I had not thought of. But I think that it's so... He's pretty much only worked with guys that are quote-unquote, you know, in the last couple of decades, his guys, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, he's, you know, he's managed punk. I mean, and uh, what's his name? Uh, oh, Kurt Axel. <laughs> I forgot him. Oh, poor Kurt Axel. I don't ever say bad about Kurt Axel because his dad's like one of my favorite wrestlers ever, but boy, that was weird. Uh, um, anything else you got on the promo before we get to the match of the week? Because I'm excited to talk about this. No, nah, I'm, I'm good to talk about the matches. So the FTR Hangman uh, Omega match was also your match of the week, right? Uh, you know, I uh, we're going a little long, so yeah, I'll go with that. Okay. <laughs> I, I just want to say that, like, again, you, and especially Ron Allis, been so big on FTR. I, I really had not seen it. This was an incredible match. It was booked really well. I loved the finish, uh, both in the way that, you know, it was the inadvertent knee that got, you know, Hangman, which, you know, technically – that really was the end. Like, I know they hit two power drivers after that, but the knee was when you knew it was over. They made Hangman look so strong. I mean, he kicked out of so many pinfalls down the stretch, and I just loved it. I love that they didn't make the heels cheat to win there, and something I think you brought up, that the better, you know, the tag team, the cohesive unit, should defeat even two great superstars who have teamed up for this long together. And I also love they didn't do any real dissension between Omega and Hangman. Yes, there was an inadvertent deal, but they fought side by side the entire match. And it was just, I mean, it really was. I I don't want to say it outbid the Young Bucks versus Hangman versus Omega, but I never thought this match would have been basically on par with it. And it was. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I'm, anything that I say is just going to be, um, you know, I, yeah. I mean, I, I thought that I, and I thought that it actually was a, I was really pleased because I thought that it was a great ending. I thought that it showcased what made all four wrestlers really great. Um, I thought that it was, you know, the thing that made, you know, it really showcased all of the strengths of the revival or FTR. Sorry, um, and 
Omega and Page. I actually, I did want to give honorable mention to the uh, Cole Balor match, which I really the singles enjoyed. match, right? Yeah, I was gonna say it that. that really I, I, so it was the cage match, though, right? Did you like the? I enjoyed the cage match a lot too. The main evented it. Yeah. I, I thought that, but I, I wanted to make sure that I, you know, had some recognition for the Balor Cole match because I thought that I just thought it, and it was nice to see the figure four used again. But yeah, exactly. Dude, it's been a minute. I, I think that it really outside of, I think that if, if any other week, if there hadn't been that tag match, my pick would have been Cole, uh, Cole Balor, but. And again, I think this is proven, at least for people like us, and I think a lot of people feel that way. The tag team division is the strength of AEW, and they need to lean into that because it seems like every pay-per-view, and these are good pay-per-views, again, the the match of the night is always a tag team match, which I I just love tag team wrestling. I I hate that WWE has kind of made it an afterthought in the last couple years, and I'm really thankful that AEW has brought it back in the spotlight. Uh, Last one of our subjects. Storyline you need to be paying attention to. Sam, go ahead. I just – one last thing I wanted to say yeah, about the tag ahead. match. Yeah, go ahead. Sure. Um, it, about AEW leaning into it to agree with it. The – one of the most famous examples of that and why I think AEW shouldn't be afraid to main event the show with the tag title, the first Brooklyn takeover that everyone remembers the Bailey-Sasha match – Mm-hmm. What they don't remember is that was not the main event. The main event was Kevin Owens versus Finn Balor mm-hmm. in a ladder match, and I can remember so much about the la- about the women's match, and I really don't remember much about other than feeling bad for Finn and Kevin, uh, KO. Um, it, and because it was like the guys that followed uh, uh, tr- uh, Undertaker and Sean at Michael's- twenty five. Yeah, it's yeah, like, like uh, oh shit. Yeah, like guys, let's just you know, but uh, the uh, but going away from that and going for the storyline that we should be paying attention to, I'm going with Roman as a heel. I I find him so endlessly captivating as a bad guy. That's that's just what I'm going with. I think that he's, and I think that he you like is, the USO deal that they're doing, bringing in. I, I do, and I think that it's such a freaking heel move to be, like, because it is his family, and they've been close. You know, it's not just that they're close to the WWE. Like, there are pictures of them as, like, high they school They grew up together, players. correct? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so, for him, Roman to be such a selfish dick, <laughs> I just think it's, it's great healing, and I'm appreciative of great heels. So for me, it's the Sasha Bailey. We're, we're finally here. Uh, Bailey with just a brutal attack on Sasha after they lost their rematch for the tag team titles, which I thought was great. I know Sam, because he's three hours behind on the West Coast, has not seen uh, SmackDown, but Bailey did a phenomenal promo uh, on SmackDown that ended with, I know that you were basically using me because I was using you the whole time. Like, what a line. Uh, and I am so excited to see these two, you know, feud and kind of where it goes. It looks like they're going to write Sasha off for a little bit uh, to recover from the attack. Hopefully, Bailey will get distracted with something else, and then you have a great Sasha run, and maybe when you have your first live crowd. 
Based on what I'm seeing with the WWE history, I'm assuming that we're getting Lacey Evans. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was not Lacey Evans. She did not win the Federal Four. It's actually Nikki Cross. Spoiler. Uh, and I'm excited to see Nikki Cross versus Bailey because I thought their last match was really good. But yeah, and you know, I have to be honest. I just find Nikki Cross really endearing. Um, I, I I find her just to be a very like I I and there's she a seems lot genuine of genuine to me. And, and I think there's actually a lot of really good ground of Bailey. Like I used to be you and like, you can do the whole like dark Bailey. Maybe well, Bailey thing. attacked her too, coming into the fatal because Bailey was leaving her promo and then the fatal four way match was starting and Bailey actually attacked her for no reason, you know, just cause she's a heel. And then for Nikki to come back and win, I actually thought they did that. So Nikki could lose and look strong, but she came back and won. So they're legitimately pushing Nikki, and maybe the decision's going to be the Sasha Bailey feud doesn't need the belt, and they're going to give Nikki Cross a run and let Bailey and Sasha just battle. I mean, I disagree with that, but you know, whatever. We'll see. I mean, I think that's the. Uh, I think that we need to see where it goes. I again, like Raw has not been great. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that the fact that we didn't really talk about it shows how it was bad. Not, yeah, I mean, it's uh, the, and I'm not going to get into that because it's just disappointing. But SmackDown, I mean, you know, Raw's, really good show or not? Like they had another and, really good show. And I think that they're, you know, just it's so. I'm sure somebody would correct me, but like I can't remember SmackDown being better than Raw since like the SmackDown six days. That's probably fair. I will say there was that period when Mark Henry was champ was great. SmackDown was really good. Uh, and you had him and Orton and several other people battling for the belt. I enjoyed Ooh. SmackDown in that period, but I know you disagree. Uh, no, you, you, no, no, no. I was going to say, it's like you'd be forcing me to say something nice about Randy. Uh, well, uh-huh. We've got past that. We've got you over that phobia. Is there anything you want to plug, Sam, before we get out of here? Uh, just my Twitter account. Uh S, uh, my last name, how H O U G H 610. Uh, also going to plug, uh, let's see what else I'm going to plug. Uh, no, nah, it's a steel ring post actually, which plug is a the bunch Facebook of group. Come on, you son of a bitch. Oh, you sorry. Plug our was... stuff and then you can plug somebody else's okay. stuff. Yeah. So, uh, before <laughs> I get into, yeah, the team turnbuckle Facebook group, I would also recommend becoming an all-star for IBM. And the Sports. Twitter page. We've got a Twitter page now. Too. We have a Twitter page, team turnbuckle podcast. Um, I would definitely recommend that, uh, follow us, uh, for all updates about the podcast, uh, and definitely become an all-star. It's five bucks a month. Uh, yeah it's the it pays for itself i mean multiple times with alan's gambling picks Mm -hmm. uh it pays for itself with the ability to if you're anything like me and you love (laughs) being smug and you like to post whatever you want yeah yeah you don't have to worry about i i so i'll plug that i will also this is i i feel like i've done my duty i'll also plug steel ring post there you go Um, now you can the with steelringpost.com all one word uh a lot of the with spandex orphans uh if you are were a fan of brandon strouds i just explain to them it's a lot of good articles and stuff on wrestling and yeah and and recaps and they do like a pops and botches thing so yeah definitely check them out um a lot of good people uh but yeah that's do you what about you you plug in anything 
Well, I just want to plug, obviously, the backdoor cover, which, uh, and I do apologize again that it was, you know, almost like 14 days since I've been on a wrestling podcast, but me and Alan both did the NFC and AFC team-by-team uh, preview, which was about four hours worth of podcasting, so uh, mm-hmm. I had to prep for that. I've also had four fantasy football <laughs> drafts in the last week, and it actually looks like me and Sam Matz, because I, I guess I don't do enough podcasts are looking at doing a weekly daily fantasy podcast just during fantasy football season. It's probably going to come out on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. We're working on names now. We will make an official announcement soon. And we have not forgot uh, about our, and still figuring out a title, but we will get there. Me and Sam's podcast. The first one is going to be about the mega powers explode. It looks like we're going to break it up into three, four episodes for each storyline because we want to be able to really spend time, uh, you know, discussing what happened, you know, what we find interesting about it, you know, all these years later, uh, that kind of stuff, but we don't want to make it a four hour podcast. So we're probably going to try to break it up into like three to four, 45 minute hour long podcasts. Uh, it will be done by the end of September, the first one. And the goal will be to do one every month uh, moving forward. I'm actually really excited. I mean, Sam spent a lot of time texting and brainstorming back and forth. So, but other than that, uh, we will be back. Uh, please be sure to, again, uh, you know, go to the IB podca- IBM podcast feed and please be sure to subscribe and uh, please be sure to share uh, this podcast with any wrestling fans. And also, if you have any wrestling fans, please tell them to follow us on Twitter. And please tell them to join our Facebook group. Uh, the Facebook group has seriously been uh, probably my favorite group on Facebook the last, like, six months. I, I love the conversations on there. It's not a bunch of whining and bitching like a lot of other wrestling pages. It's people that really enjoy wrestling and are just, you know, pointing out observations and takes on stuff. So, but Ron L, I hope that uh, we will get together early next week for the trio. So the whole NWO can be there, not just Hogan and uh, Nash, or I guess Hall, probably the smallest guy should be me. Uh, so, <laughs> but uh, Sam, I really appreciate you coming on here, especially on a Friday night. I know that, uh, you know, literally your state's on fire. So praying your safety and stuff right now. And, uh, you know, I do want to just say with it being 9-11 that we, you know, want to remember uh, not only the people that were in the towers that day, but especially the firefighters and law enforcement that ran into a burning building uh, when everybody else was running out. So uh, do want to end on that note. But for that, I am Keith Fleming, Sam Howell. This has been another edition of the Team Turnbuckle Podcast, and uh, we will see you guys soon.